Hello, and welcome back to Idiot's Alphabet Soup. I am Catherine, and Jenny is in here somewhere. I'm Jenny, and I am here. <laughs> All right. Um, this episode, it, it'll be a little more uh, chaotic. chaotic? <laughs> Free-flowing ideas, and we already like have a hard time trying to keep on track. But you know Today what? Today might be worse. For the purposes of this episode, that's what we're doing. Is just we're gonna play. So part of the reason for the chaos is that generally we have like specific days that we get on Zoom, we plan our meetings or like on FaceTime or whatever. We like make a big, big plan. It's great. Um, this time though, we were actually together all of the week that we normally like would meet sometime to plan, which you would think would make things easier, except nope. that for some reason. We were both, look, when, when we're together, we just don't want to worry about other things. So we just kind of push stuff off, including yeah. planning this. Well, we were busy having fun. Yeah. Like we had Catherine's bachelorette party because she's getting married. Um, yep. It was just a really good time. It was and very so, exciting. So Saturday morning, we're like driving back from the bachelorette party. And it's like, oh, yeah, maybe we should like plan what we're going to talk about in the podcast that might be a good thing to do yeah it was <laughs> um well we had our mini potty meeting in the car and i guess i'm just gonna blame this on exhaustion <laughs> but my first suggestion was that we talk about our favorite textbooks <laughs> and i realized that like nobody's gonna want to listen to that now but like last week i thought i was I had a brilliant idea. I thought I had a million dollar idea. Like, I'm, we're not joking, guys. We're driving down the road, dead serious. She turns to me and was like, yeah, what if we, like, talked about the textbooks that we like? And I was like, Catherine, we have listeners. We have listeners who have <laughs> who lives. Who's going to want to listen to that? Your mom I mean, and my mom. <laughs> honestly, girl, I don't know. My mom might tap out on that one. <laughs> My mom, like, she would love it because she always loves it when I talk about things that she doesn't understand. Mm. Like I showed that woman my master's presentation and she was very pleased because she could not understand one word. <laughs> okay, quick question for you, Catherine. Yes. Favorite math textbook? Um, probably History of Mathematics. Mm. I forgot the author. Um, but yeah, that, that was a really good one. Yeah. What about like you? My favorite is probably abbott's understanding analysis okay right there we just lost like 98 percent of our viewers we we, we are not we gonna be talking this is about not this. the whole podcast this is not the whole podcast the whole podcast is basically us well first we should talk about um what our next podcast is going to be so we can warn our listeners what book they need to get yes please get this book yes so in our next episode or potentially, if the books don't on arrive on time, it might be uh, the episode a month after our next episode. Um, we're going to be talking about my mom's book, Coming Home to Roost. You can order it on muddycreekbooks.com. Um, it's great. It's dedicated to me. So obviously, you know, it has to be a great book. <laughs> and we're hoping that this time when we email the author to see if they want to be on the podcast, the author won't reject us. Author, if you are listening right now, which I'm sure you are, you got a letter coming your way. Is this Keep a, an wait, eye out? Are you sending her like an actual physical letter? I am sending her an actual physical letter. Oh, she's gonna love that. Yes. She was Keep asking me the really... other day. She was asking me, she's like, is there should I should I be checking my inbox soon? And I thought you might be sending her a physical letter. But I was like, oh yeah. whatever, you you you'll be invited. Or the author of that book coming home to roost is gonna get invited. Yeah, imagine we actually have an author respond and we just send her a dinky little text message. <laughs> like, don't worry, Dorcas Smucker, we will treat you like the queen that you are. Yeah. Oh, my mom is such a queen. I went to a baby shower today and um, I realized that I think this might be like the first baby shower I've been to where it was like, I am an adult being invited to a baby shower. All the other ones in my life are just like, oh, someone in the church is having a baby, so I'll go. Or it's like a cousin of mine, but I'm too young to like be expected to give a gift and a card. I don't think I've ever been to any baby shower. Well, anyway, I went to one today, 
And so I was like, oh, I need to like, you know, get a gift, get a card. And there were all these things I was like, what do we like, what do you even say in a baby shower card? Like, yay, you're having a baby. <laughs> or um, like even getting a gift. It turns out they had a registry and I didn't even realize it. I just like bought some stuff. It ended up working out. But it was a little like, I didn't realize how ill-equipped I was to go to a baby shower. My mom was very helpful, though. I sent her a lot of questions. <laughs> and she was probably a little concerned about me, but yeah. it worked out. You know what's really exciting is that they don't know the the sex of the baby. Yeah. I feel I like that's so hard. old school. I love that. Honestly, I kind of think I might want to do that. Yeah, because um, my parents didn't know if I was a boy or a girl. My parents didn't know either. They were going to name me Daniel John if I was a boy. Ooh, okay. I got a good story. <laughs> and I'm just going to pretend that I've never told you this story. But I'm a girl, <laughs> to be clear. And my name's Catherine. But um, if I was a boy, my dad was reading a lot of books about my man Genghis Khan. And his real name is actually Timogen. <laughs> and so... Just imagine, like, a boy version of me, just 5'2", and, like, pale and skinny, and his name is Timogen, the Mongolian warlord. I feel like if you had been a boy named Timogen, like, you would still be as smart as you are, but, like, annoyingly pretentious about it. Because I feel like you can't be named Timogen and not be annoyingly pretentious. I know. It's a... Actually, you know, I'll keep that in the roster for Girl. my kids. <laughs> Along with Satchel and Gaudencio? Yes. Gaudencio, great name. My grandpa was named Gaudencio. And Satchel is just a good name. I do like Gaudencio in some ways. What I would really love is for you to name your future kid Murphy so that it's Murphy Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> But that's just an ideal. Anyway, should we get on to what this podcast is actually supposed to be about? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So today- What are we talking, talking about again? <laughs> well, I was about to say, but you interrupted me. Oh. Um, I'm not actually mad at you. Don't worry. <laughs> anyway, today um, we're going to be I'm sorry for about- interrupting you. I hate you. <laughs> if I start talking again, you're just going to interrupt me again. So you know what? I'm going to let you I apologize talk. for interrupting. You're going to talk about, you're going to tell the listeners what we're talking about today. Okay. I'll talk about it. Um, basically, um, over the past couple weeks. I'm sorry, were you saying something? <laughs> It's okay. I forgive you. I, I apologize for this juvenile behavior from Jennifer over here. Anyway, it's all her. Um, I can't take her anywhere. The point is, the past couple weeks we've been talking about um, if we were to get together and write a book, what would it be about? What would the style be? And like, what would the subject matter be about? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And also, like, what were the kind of books that we would have liked to read as kids or as, like, middle schoolers or, like, as teenagers, maybe? Yeah. All right. That's my Exciting. elevator pitch for this episode. Well, let's start with this question. Um, okay. Well, okay. I should say, I feel like our, our conversation today is going to center a lot around, like, kind of middle grade books. Yes. Um, And... I feel like we could write a solid middle grade book if we wanted to. Oh, oh, for sure. But, like, to be clear, I don't know. Like, when we're talking about middle grade, we're talking about, like, Harry Potter or Mysterious Benedict Society. Like, those kinds of books. Yeah, so it's generally, like, I think it's, like, grades three to eight is sort of what's viewed as, like, middle grade. Um, Yeah. Or cool. Catherine might slip up and say children's book. But she is not referring to picture books, although for your information, a middle grade is a middle grader is a child like it is a children's book. But like when I think children's book, I think like picture book, 
But I think that is you a and baby I, book. You and I could write a solid picture book, right? I mean, have you seen our Instagram? I think that I would do the drawings. But you obviously are quite capable of making cute animations. And I feel like I could write a pretty solid little children's book poem. Mm, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. What would um what would our children's book be about, Jenny? Um I want you to know that that little hand motion you did, no one who's listening can see that. Um, but I don't know, probably some like a stupid little, I mean, here's the thing is like when it comes to children's books, they can be about absolute nonsense, right? Like, oh, if you give a mouse a muffin, blah, 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 blah. Oh, right, there's a monkey let's and he's make curious. A, let's make a children's book right now. Okay, let's make a children's book. Let's come book up with a concept. About math. Oh, I can just hear all our listeners groan, like, again with the math. <laughs> Shut up. It's like math five, but for babies. Should we do a math book? But, like, it's a bi- It's also connected to, like, do you ever think about infinity and God? <laughs> Wait, think- okay. Do you think Girl, are, we making a, a, are we making baby? a picture? Are we making a book for babies about infinity and God? Yeah, can we talk about the infinitude of God in a baby book? Do you think they Make have a little they can grasp like, like the concept of infinity? One, two, three, four, countable infinity. Yes, <laughs> like these these kids literally have no concept of numbers, and here we are trying to tell them about infinity. Actually, I realize that that is so stupid because you do know about that baby experiment where you give like a baby two candies and then they're like, oh, these are these are candies. And then you like spread them apart, like just a little bit. And you ask them, like, are there more candies? And they're like, yes. So maybe it should be a little more like one fish, blue fish, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish situation. No, actually, I say we nix the math and just come up okay. with a stupid story. Yeah, we can do this. Okay. Um. Okay, who is the protagonist in our story? Our protagonist is... Well, I gotta think of something completely random and dumb, yeah, right? Yeah, just like look around your closet, choose something. Sock. Okay, our protagonist is a sock who's lost its mate and it's lonely. Every story needs a struggle. Right? Oh my gosh. I just thought of like a good a good one. Okay. Cuz you know how like there's this meme or like this popular thing. Like everybody knows like if you put your laundry in the dryer like your socks disappear. Yes. Like what if they go into this sock dimension or they just have fun? <laughs> yes, it's this sock. It's all like lonely cuz it's, it's like on a okay. The sock is on a quest to find its match and realizes that its match is in, like, the sock dimension. And, like, at the end, they're together in the sock dimension and they don't want to go back. Or they end up, uh, they, we put them in the dryer together and then one of them ends up in the sock dimension and he has to find his way back to his mate. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Okay. Ooh, <laughs> Harper Collins, call us. Come through. Okay, so when it comes to middle grade books, what type of middle grade book do you think the world needs currently? It's like not out there yet. Okay, so I can maybe I don't know because I can tell you what the what what books they don't need. Okay, what books don't they need? I don't need another freaking mythology book i don't want greek gods i don't want egyptian gods i don't want any type of gods so basically like go away to just stop writing stop writing about (laughs) mythology like i get it i love it i loved it i'm like all mythologyed out um maybe oh okay i got one Mm -hmm. i don't think that there are any good 
middle grade sci-fi books. Mm. Yeah. What do you think? Interesting. What about like Ender's Game? Is that middle Ender's grade? Game's... I don't think so. I mean, it Is was that... like too boring to be middle grade. Actually, that's probably true. In my head, it's middle grade, but it probably actually isn't. I feel like it's uh, it's more YA. Yeah. Because there's a lot of violence in there, too. That's true. I was just Googling it. I think it is more YA, but some people think it's a good intro into science fiction for middle middle schoolers. Um, but yeah, I can get behind that. Like a good a good middle grade sci-fi. And one that's kind of similar to The Martian or like, what was that book that we just read? Project Hail Mary. Project Hail Mary. Because. Okay. Well, I have a question for you with okay. this then. Okay. So often in these situations, you have like someone on some like dangerous mission. They get into a lot of trouble, whatever, whatever. You have to figure things out. But, like, generally for middle grade books, the protagonists are roughly the same age as the people reading them, maybe a bit older. So, like, ideally, your main character is going to be between, like, 10 and 18, somewhere in there. Yes. Now, why is, like, how can you ethically have a 10 to 18 year old doing these things? I don't mean, like, you ethically as an author, but, like, what sort of ethical world could put a 10 to 18 year old in these situations or is it Wait, kind of an entertaining situation where jenny that makes no sense because harry potter kid is 11 years old and he's actively being hunted by a psychopathic like serial killer like what are you talking about true but like that's just a okay oh well here's the thing is it like isn't it kind of ethically dubious that dumbledore is like willing to sacrifice him like that i mean i feel like when you're in middle grade, like, there has to be some type of suspension of disbelief for anything to work. Okay, like, so we're obviously just, like, we want to protect just, our kids. We're just <laughs> chucking the ethical dubiousness aside. I think so, because that's what, like, even okay. something as tame as Percy Jackson, or Mysterious Benedict Society, oh, Mysterious where they Benedict, just throw yeah. these 12-year-olds into this very dangerous situation. Like, there is no ethical dubiousness. Like, it's gone. Okay. So we're just sending 12-year-olds to space. Yes. Okay. Here's my pitch that I thought of, like, literally two seconds ago. Lay it on me. Okay. This um, family is on a spaceship. This could be set in the future or whatever or in a different planet. Family is on a spaceship. Like, the dad made it in the case of an apocalypse or something. That happens, and through some sequence of events, the kids survive and the parents don't. Or I maybe... have an idea. Okay, you go. Okay, so um, very similar situation: family on a spaceship. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reasoning here could be some sort of like it's an experiment to see how like ch raising children in space could go, but that's. That's just like a reason here. We can we can leave that aside. Anyway, okay. Something goes wrong on the spaceship, and the whole family's like, "Oh, we got to get in the escape pod and get out of here." Mm hmm. But somehow the twelve year old gets left behind. Mm. And so it's like a it's he's still like trying to survive alone, but also trying to reunite with his family. Ooh, that's really good. That's good. Or, um, yes. Or there's, like, some... He goes into this escape pod, but instead of going where his family goes, he, like, lands in a totally different planet. Yes. And he, like... I like that. Yeah, and he kind of has to... Uh, like, integrate with the natives. <laughs> yes. Sort of and like figure a, a way back home. Figure sort out of a way like back a, home. a space hatchet. Yes. Have you read Hatchet? No. Okay. It's a book where this, like, kid is in a plane crash. Um, he's, like, going to visit his dad and gets in a plane crash, and, like, the pilot dies, and he's stuck there, and he has to, like, survive in the wilderness on his own. Um, and, like, all he has is his little hatchet. It's, it's like, really good. But kind of that idea of, like, it doesn't seem re- Like, if there were a book where adults just sent a 12-year-old out into the woods to 
figure out his life on his own, you'd be like, that's questionable. Uh-huh. But it's like, <laughs> ooh, um, unforeseen circumstances. Now yes. this 12-year-old kid, at- I would have loved that book as a kid. Yes. I would have eaten I'm that down up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We should do this. And there has to be some- like, Penguin, call us. Evil. Yeah. <laughs> some evil guy, right? On this planet. That's out to get him, maybe. Or he has some type of evolutionary advantage over, like, these other aliens. And he can help them out or something. I don't know. Okay. It's so is, rough. Is the antagonist here a person? Or is the antagonist, like, nature? Ooh. Because generally in these, like, hatchet-style books, the antagonist is nature. Or sometimes there's, like, a... I don't know. The antagonist is always somehow, like, very very much a natural nature mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. Should it be the same way in our sci-fi book? Or should there be, like, also an evil person? I don't know. Maybe it it would be nature. Or is just is the antagonist, like, is the conflict just purely them trying to, like, get back with their family? I don't know. Or is it like a Wizard of Oz sort of situation where it's like you're trying to get back with your family and there is some like nature things, but then also there's some, I don't know, ruler on this planet that you end up with that's really making it difficult to get back. Yes. 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 I like this. Ooh, okay. Ooh. <laughs> We're just popping out these bestsellers. Yay. <laughs> Easy. Well, I've got nothing to add for the middle grade book. Is this middle grade? Yeah, I think yeah. we can make this middle grade. Yeah, this. If is it's got a twelve-year-old main character, I feel like it's adequately middle grade. Okay. Yeah, if it's a book series, we're gonna oh, have to introduce. I feel like this can't, can't be, a, be series? a series. No. No. How often can this kid get separated from his family? Like once. Well, it's you're like, like the journey. Like every book, he's closer to. Oh, so it's like you know. a series and he doesn't reunite with his family until the end. Yes. Oh. It could be like uh, 12 Labors of Hercules kind of thing. Interesting. But not 12, like five. So then like, what's the big, like, what's that big obstacle that he, or what are, like, how are there 12 five obstacles between him and his family and is it like each time he gets close like it's the type of thing that he's just trying to get off this planet or like is he going to where they are and they've left already and he has to keep tracking them down maybe okay to be honest I said that with zero things to back it up because <laughs> I thought of it like half a second before I said it um or you know what maybe in the beginning he has no clue if his family is he just assumes his family is dead oh and like maybe book three he gets some word of you know oh they're alive yes so like he's at first he's just trying to survive for the first like book or two mm-hmm. and then his goal starts to be to re like once he once he can survive well he finds out his family might still be alive and then his goal becomes to track down his family yes and maybe in this weird alien planet sometime book two book three he encounters a human girl and he goes yes. oh my gosh there are humans here and now little... he's got a little love interest. We do love a good little love interest. Yes. So, we've constructed our great middle grade book. Honestly, if math doesn't work out for us, we got a solid backup plan. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, <if> we... <laughs> hopefully we can actually write. Because. I... Girl, I can write. You got if an A in composition, right? I did get an A in composition. You know, I can also write if I try. Yeah, if I tried 
if I tried hard enough, I could write. Yeah. We get a good editor to help us out, too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Ooh, okay. This well, is so exciting. Wait, can we please wait until I'm out of grad school to write this book? <laughs> yes. But this yes. is so exciting. We've got some good uh, good ideas yeah. floating we around. We should not be just putting our ideas for free on the internet. Someone's going to steal it. This is our ideas, folks. Documentation that this is our intellectual property. <laughs> Imagine, we like, this book already exists will not in the sue, world. But we will threaten to sue. <laughs> we won't actually sue because I'm Mennonite. <laughs> <laughs> okay um so what are some like elements that you really like to see in middle grade books that you think we should try and incorporate into our books or maybe it just maybe not this series of books but like what are the elements that you'd like to see in middle grade books when see when i was in middle grade i always preferred books with a very strong adventure component I wasn't very into Judy Bloom <laughs> or like, oh no, I got my period. What do I do? I was more, I was more drawn to like books that aren't real life. Like mm-hmm. why, as a kid, like you don't want to read about real life. So I loved like Harry Potter or like Mysterious Benedict Society or um, you ever read that series, 39 Clues? No. What's the deal with that? Um. So it's written by a group of, like, children's authors. I'm pretty sure Rick Riordan has, like, wrote a couple of these, like, 39 books. And so basically the premise is that every famous person that's ever lived, like Beethoven or, or um, I don't know, like Isaac Newton, like, all of these people are actually... um members of the same family so like they're they belong in like so and they're like five different factions of this family and like they're all yeah and like they're all good at a specific thing and so these two kids who don't know like where they belong exactly have to have to hunt down like these 39 clues to get to the end and like this 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 whole like story of that Oh, okay. But it's really cool. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I would say one of the things, there's a couple things that I like in um, middle grade books, and I don't think, I don't know that either of them would work well in our math five book. Okay. Um, But one is I kind of enjoy when there's like some ambiguity about what like era of history this book is taking place in. Um, and so the, some of the ones I think about with this are, like, Mysterious Benedict Society. Like, you can't quite place it with when it happens, you know? Like, are there no phones because they just don't use them? Or actually, you know, those secret agents, they did have, like, crazy technology. Yeah. So I kind of like that, like, ambiguity and not being able to place things exactly. Um, mm-hmm. The other book that I think, the other or book series that I really like that does that is um, the series of unfortunate events, and I feel like it does it even better than um, than the mysterious Benedict Society. Of like, it has like kind of a weird mix of things that feel a little more like old timey. Um, maybe old timey is not quite the word I want there, but like a little more dated, uh, antique. Um, and then also some things that feel a little bit more modern. And so you're just like, yeah. not quite sure where it fits. I think, yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. I guess um, yeah. maybe that's a technique for middle grade authors so that you can read the book. Like it kind of makes the book timeless. Yeah. And I really you know? like that. Cause I feel like sometimes what middle grade authors do is they try to put their book in a very specific time, and that time is, like, now, right? And yeah. you, you read the conversations that these kids are having, and they're trying to make it, like, the types of conversations that kids have now. And you're like, what are they even saying? This is ridiculous. For real, for real. No cap. Lizzie. Hey. <laughs> yeah, like, that It sounds so dumb. Yeah. I, I see what you mean. Like, if 
I shouldn't like to read a middle grade book about this 12 year old who's on TikTok. And like playing Fortnite. Like, no. No. <laughs> oh, look at what I built in Minecraft, Mom. <laughs> That's so dumb. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I've read those kinds of books, though. I, I feel like I, I tend to read those, like, well, I don't read them a lot. I feel like I see that more, actually, in YA, where it's, like, authors trying to make their characters sound like like teenagers in the modern world. Yes. And honestly, I kind of think that if you're writing a book as an adult and you're trying to make your teenagers sound like teenagers, you're going to fail. Yes. That kind of reminds me of my girl Meg Cabot. Mm-hmm. I do love Meg Cabot, though. Like, her teenagers sound a little stilted. But, like, there was this book that I read. I read it a couple times from of hers called All American The President's girl. Daughter. Yes, where the girl, like, saves the president's son and falls in love with him. Yes. It's, like, so bad, but I love it. Oh, man. And she's all like, oh, I'm an artist and I don't want to follow these rules. And the boy's like, but even Picasso had to learn the rules before he could break them. And I was like, oh, so deep. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, man. Okay. We've gone over middle grade children's books. But now I'd like to pose the question to you, Jenny. Okay. What kind of book do you think we'd make? Period. Like, the, the type that we actually would make together? not Yes. Like, not like, if we had to make a children's book or a middle grade book. Like, what is the most likely scenario if we, like, write a book? Okay. I feel like the most likely scenario is, like, well, I mean, we've talked about this. You know what I'm going to say. It's, <laughs> <laughs> like, our, like, a quote-unquote philosophy book. But just, like, about the, the things that we've discussed together and, like, our opinions on the world. And so it might be some things that are a little more serious and also, like, okay, we have a triangle and it's um, yes. in love alone worth it on the three corners because those are, like, from this song that we've listened to. And so where does, like, everyone in our life fall in this camp on these three categories? <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, and just like a discussion back and forth. I think I think we would write that. But what do you think? I agree because a lot of what our friendship is is just asking each other like crazy hypothetical questions. Um, I can think of one specific instance uh, when I called you and said, well, Jenny, if we had to construct uh, Maslow's triangle, Maslow's hierarchy of needs with a healthy romantic relationship at the top, what would the subsequent, like, bottom stages be? Okay, so maybe before we talk about, like, what the discussion was here, we should explain what Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs is. So do you want to okay. do that? Yeah, sure. So the Hierarchy of Needs is... Uh, it's this idea that was proposed by this American psychologist, Abraham Maslow. And it's, a, it's basically an explanation on, it's, it's a study on human motivation. And so you have to fulfill certain needs before you can achieve self-actualization or transcendence, as he says. So like food, <laughs> drink, and shelter is your most basic need. And once that's fulfilled, you can move on to feeling safe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you can finally have the possibility of achieving like transcendence, I guess. So what would our basic like requirements be before we can even think of being in a healthy romantic relationship? Yeah. Is the question. Well, so and maybe to be clear here, the idea is like the pinnacle is being able to maintain a healthy romantic relationship. Um, so, like, the conditions below it aren't necessarily things that you should also have in a relationship. <laughs> so, like, we concluded that just under a healthy romantic relationship, like, being able to maintain a healthy romantic relationship is being able to m maintain a good, healthy friendship. Mm -hmm. um, but then when it came to, like, a pyramid structure underneath being able to maintain a good, healthy friendship, that was a bit harder to do. Because there were a lot of things that we were like, okay, this is important <laughs> to be able to have good friendships. But also, like, we know people that we think are capable of having good friendships that don't have these things. But also, 
we know people who we definitely think are not capable of having good friendships <laughs> that also don't have these things. Yes. So bottom line, we there are several iterations of a figure. Like we've had a pyramid. We've had a py- pyramid standing atop four pillars. And we've come to the conclusion like, oh, maybe you need two out of the four. And then you go to the pyramid. So the point is, we always talk about what is our philosophy on life? Yeah. Because we've you also, know. like, we've talked at length about what it is that makes a good friendship. And, like, what what it is that you need for a healthy friendship. Or um, we talk about weird things, like... Yeah. Do you think billionaires can go to heaven? Well, more like, do you think it's possible to be a billionaire and also be Christian? Oh, right, yeah. Um, Or, like... Oh, we talked a lot one time about, like, whether or not repentance is necessary for salvation. Or was it repentance or was it... Um, no, because the initial question was, unconfe- is unconfessing yes, uh, yeah, yeah, like a barrier con- to salvation? Heaven. Yeah, salvation. To heaven. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time discussing this. Um, but yeah. <laughs> we also get into the habit of oh what what does it mean to be a woman what is the difference between a girl and a woman yeah we talk a lot about stuff like that and the the I funny love thing about womanhood yes the funny thing is we like talk about these things and just zero preparation beforehand and so we come up with these like whack opinions that we are willing to like <laughs> fight to the death for and it is hilarious. It's like Catherine asks a question and I have to come up with an opinion in two seconds and then be willing to die on that hill. <laughs> but then I do the same thing right back. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. And I think maybe a book about that exchange where we finally agree and like compromise and have one conclusion is like a good Yeah. <laughs> That could be, what, like, a good chapter. You know what else we spent a lot of time discussing? What? Is, like, college and how, like, whether it's needed or not, or, like, for whom it's needed and for whom it's not. Yes. That was a really interesting one that we, like, talked about for a while. And did eventually kind of come to a, yes. maybe not a good conclusion, but, like, kind of came to something on. Or remember when I called you and asked Jenny, how are we going to solve the fatherlessness problem in America? Yes. <laughs> just oh my word. Yes. Zero context, just that question. <laughs> Go. And I was like, all right, here are my opinions. <laughs> Less mass incarceration. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are not going to be going. We're not going to be uh, giving our audience a sample of our um <laughs> Oh, right. Arguments. Because we need to keep our ideas private and not share them with our audience. (laughs) (laughs) We are only on episode five and we can't traumatize them just yet. True. Okay, so let's say we write this together. Mm -hmm. Who is our audience for this book? I think our audience would probably be almost college age kids to like college kids. Yeah, I feel like that's so. That's I'd say good. seventeen to twenty-two, and I think probably specifically for like women in that age range. Like, I don't think it would be necessarily a book for women, but I feel like what we'd have to say would resonate more with women. Maybe yes, and I'm thinking the format would just be yeah a debate between the two of us. Yeah, and in the end, I feel like there would be some sort of coming of age aspect to it. Yeah. Because I feel like through our discussions, we kind of have been figuring out who we are. Yeah. And like what it is that we believe, what it is that we're willing to stand for. Yeah, I remember when we first started talking like this. And we were too aggro. We were so aggro. Because like the first one was about Marxism, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the next one was about homelessness. Yes, and like both I remember, those were pretty intense. And like, we yeah, were I remember you were asking. Yeah, you were asking me like, "Why are you? Why are you asking me this?" And I was like, "Well, 
when I read something, I want to talk about it with someone so I can kind of gauge where I'm at. I realize that I care about a position when I'm willing to defend it to the death. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, oh, so you need other people to know what you think. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> girly pop, calm down. Which is like ridiculous because in all honesty, I steal my opinions from so many people. Sometimes I feel like I don't have any of my own. Like every opinion I give is just something that I like stole from my sister, stole from you, stole from somebody else and decided it was my own. But I I think this is what's fun about it is we don't prepare and we kind of know how we feel at the end. Yeah, honestly, it's like it's like this potty just like completely unprepared. What do you think about the ethics of children in middle grade books? What are you talking about? You think about? it's ethical to send a child into space if it's fiction? Oh, gosh. But it's true that in middle grade books, you have like 12-year-olds doing the most ridiculous things. Well, it's fun. It is fun. You do know what fiction is, right? It means not real. <laughs> do you do know... That no real children died in the movie The Hunger Games, right? (laughs) You do know that The Hunger Games is YA and not middle grade, right? (laughs) Uh, Okay. Okay. I was going to say, what I really liked in, what I really like in middle grade books is like Mm -hmm. a little bit of like kind of magical things, but you're not quite sure if it's actually magical or not. Yes. And I feel like you get this sort of thing in the Mysterious Benedict Society. Because there's, like, the whole thing of Constance being able to, like, hear these whatever, whatever's going on. Or, like, um, Mysterious, not, I said Mysterious Benedict Society, Series of Unfortunate Events. Feels like there's a little bit of, like, a magical undercurrent, but, like, not a lot, not overtly. It's just, like, a little mm-hmm. bit there. Yeah. Um, the, oh, what's that one called? The Thief Lord? Uh, by Cornelia Funka? Oh, yes, yes. You've, you've read that one, right? Yes, I have, yeah. Yeah, that one has a lot of that fun, like, 12-year-olds doing crazy things and, like, a little Mm -hmm. bit of magic. Um, Or, like, there's this other book I read that's kind of in the same vein called The Whiz Mob and the Grenadine Kid. That has that same sort of feel. Like, you start out feeling like it's just normal life, and then there's, like, just the slightest tinge of magic. Nothing overt. Nothing, like, Harry Potter-esque. Just a tinge. (laughs) Uh, Mm. Oh, dear. All right. Now that that's over. Okay. Last bit. Right, Jennifer? Okay. We create, we write, sorry. I mean, I guess we do. We write a Mafi book together. And it could be for adults, whatever. Because we're always complaining about how there are no good math fiction books out there that's accessible to people at the same time has accurate math. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at some point we both need to shut up and just make a Mafi book. Okay. So, what is our pitch? All right. So there has to be some sort of like mathematician character in it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we should write it not from the perspective of the mathematician, but from the perspective of like the friend of the mathematician. Um. Yes. Sort of like how have you read the book Star Girl? No. Okay, well, in that book, like, Stargirl's the main character, but it's told from this other kid's perspective, and just, like, about the main character and the perceptions around her. Or, like, Mm -hmm. in The Housekeeper and The Professor. Like, The Professor is the main character, but it's not told from his... It's, like, told from a different character's perspective. Yes. I like that idea. Um, Because, like, I don't know, the brains of mathematicians are a little weird, and I feel Mm -hmm. like even we could not accurately portray it. Yes. But we do, we have observed a lot of math people. And I feel like we can accurately portray, like, what the (laughs) observation of a math person is. Yeah. Okay, so what, what would the content be? Well, you need some sort of central struggle, right? Right. I guess what we came up with in our tiny little potty meeting is that there's this socially awkward mathematician and he he's a good person underneath and everything but he struggles to relate with normal people 
which I feel like is a is a common thing. Like there are quite a few people who are very good at math and just mm-hmm. very poor when it comes to social skills. Yeah. Um. So okay. <laughs> I like this idea a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. Especially if it's not too much like played for jokes, you know. Yeah. Like, um, he's taken seriously as a character. Um, I especially love, I love the idea, because we talked about this in our little planning meeting. Mm-hmm. It's like, he's very socially awkward, and when it comes to relating to people, like, he doesn't know how to relate based on human emotions. Yeah, and so, so he brings up these math concepts, and he tries to bridge the gap from him to, like, another person through that. Yeah. Like, like, maybe, oh, you like, know. <laughs> like, let's say, um, you know, he, his best friend is moving away and they're having like a going away party and all his friends are there and he's like really happy to be around all his friends but he's Mm -hmm. also feeling like really sad because you know his his best friend is moving away and he's Mm -hmm. like he's like kind of acting a little strange and people are like you know what's going on buddy like how are you feeling he's like i feel like the cantor set (laughs) you know empty but also full (laughs) I hate. Oh goodness! <laughs> See when so you just say when you say that sentence, like I'm sure an in-depth ep- explanation of what the Cantor set is and like how it's both. I mean, like empty and full is kind of a weird way of saying it, but yeah. Yeah. If he goes into an explanation about that and says, "Yeah, that's how I feel," that's yeah. very cool. I feel like maybe it would be better if he was like, "I feel like the Cantor set," and they were like, "What?" Yeah. And he like goes into an he goes into this deep it. explanation. And he goes, "Yeah, I feel like that." And they're like, "Oh, yeah, that makes that would be so much better than him saying I'm empty but also full." <laughs> okay, what do you think is how we would relate to someone, girl? I'm looking at these ideas and I'm kind of embarrassed by them. <laughs> well, you you got to make fun of mine with the candor set, so I should get to make fun of yours. Maybe, okay, well, I had this idea, right? Like, he could explain perturbations and how, like, <laughs> um, ugh. Okay, I've been out of grad school for a year, and I'm scared to, like, say anything. <laughs> it is a little bit intimidating knowing that, like, there are some, some people in the department that listen to this podcast. <laughs> because, like, I know. what if I say something wrong? <laughs> I know. So, like, I'm pretty sure, and I'm sure I'll be corrected if I don't get this right, but in perturbation theory, you split a more complicated problem into a simple problem and, like, the perturbated problem. So, like, a simple problem with an exact solution and the perturbation, and you use that together to, like, have an approximate solution. Right? Yeah. And so maybe he's going through something where, like, maybe he's going through some social situation that's complicated and messy. And he's like, I wish I could. (laughs) I wish I could split this problem into, like, what it actually is and, like, the noise and separate out the noise or something like that. Yeah. That's how I feel. I I think that would be cool. Last time you tried to explain that, you talked about, like, no, Little don't say it. Please don't say a it. Big difference. <laughs> that is not. That is stability. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like, stability. Oh, like the like the butterfly effect. You were like, no, 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 don't say that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize. Come I on. am. Come I, on. I am a data scientist now. I don't know math. Well, maybe just a little bit. But yeah, I like I think, this idea. Yeah, I think there is something there. I'm like, they could be in grad school. Yes. Okay, so then what is the journey for this character? Like, we know that... You know what? It would be interesting if the friend knows the mathematician because they're roommates or something. Yeah, it's just, like, some guy and his roommate is, like, this brilliant math grad student that just, like, can't relate to anybody. Yes. Yeah. And maybe the guy is, like, also a grad student, but, like, in sociology or something. Yes. And so there's also a, a sociological or, like, maybe he's in psychology. 
Oh, you know? I like that. Yeah. And he's just trying to figure out this creature <laughs> that lives with him. Yeah. And so maybe it's a journey of like brotherhood. Like they start out just completely not understanding each other. And then, and like the mathematician is so like super pretentious about it. And he's like, literally what a soft science like what you do does not matter (laughs) maybe he's not pretentious about it but that's just how he feels yeah like oh the only real science is stem yeah and like yeah doesn't feel the need to not say that to his roommate and the roommate Mm -hmm. is like you have zero social skills who even are you do you even have emotions (laughs) and so they like just don't get each other and then the book is like their journey of figuring each other out and like finding this common ground between them. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know what would be a great like chapter? What? Is if mathematician goes on his first date and psychologist is like, what could go wrong? And he's go- he goes, let me tell you about Galois. That would be hilarious. For our listeners who don't know, Galois died in a duel over a girl. <laughs> Brilliant mathematician gone too soon um okay i love that and mm-hmm. then i think keep maybe, it in the pocket that's our idea people our yeah, idea don't our intellectual property um the final thing as like sort of the thing that brings them both together maybe this is like in an epilogue the two mm-hmm. of them decide to like start working together on some sort of problem that combines is like mathematical but you can strangely apply it to psychology in some way and the two of them like win a nobel prize or something for it <laughs> Too not, too not real. Too not real. I bet we could find something to make it okay. You have to add a little sprinkle of magic in. I love a good <laughs> sprinkle of magic. <laughs> You're like, Catherine, you can have children fight to the death, but you can't even have them win a Nobel Prize? Hippo. Actually, you know what? No, it is not believable because there is no Nobel Prize in mathematics. Thank you. I was going to say, Fields Medal. Yeah, the field matter, or isn't it the Abel Prize? Is that one? Oh, I don't. Because one of them is just for young people. Uh, I feel like. Yeah, my instinct is just to say Fields Medal, like that's the peak. Okay, I think. Sure. I think the the Fields Medal and also the Abel Prize is one. Oh, the Fields Medal is only for um, mathematicians under forty. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I think the Abel Prize is one. I mean, the Fields Medal is also a very big deal. All right, Catherine, I think this has been enough nonsense. Maybe we should wrap (laughs) this up. Yes. Please come back next episode. It'll be worth it. Yes. Hopefully less chaotic. Actually, you know what? Definitely less chaotic. Yes. Our girl, Mrs. Dorcas Smucker, is coming on. It'll be great. Well, hopefully. We'll We'll see how she responds once she gets the letter. Okay. Absolutely. All right. It's been Idiot's Alphabet Soup. Baboosh. Baboosh.